Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. We've been speaking for the past few weeks on Down with the King. And we've been doing, it's going to be a six-week message series that we've done on Down with the King. Now, if I try to explain to you who God is in six weeks, it's impossible. Six lifetimes couldn't truly break down who God is. Yet we're taking, and I've chosen six of the names of God to highlight. There are many more than the six that we've gone over. The, the sixth one I'm going to share with you today is, they're, they're, this is not an exhaustive list. I've just taken the ones that maybe for me personally stand out. And there, there might be some that, that stand out to you, like Jehovah Zitkanu, my God, my righteousness, or Jehovah Kadesh, the God that sanctifies. There might be other words that, that stand out to you, Jehovah Ra, uh, Ra, who is my good shepherd. But I've chosen six myself that I shared with you, and today is the final one. The final one is Jehovah Shalom. Everyone say Jehovah Shalom. Shalom means peace. I find it interesting that when God introduces himself to a man by the name of Gideon, he uses this term Shalom. In fact, when you you meet Jewish people, they will greet you with that term of Shalom. It is a a well wish. It is not just a hello or a goodbye. It's almost an aloha. It's it's the same term that's used to say hello as well as goodbye. It's wishing you well. It's wishing you health and prosperity. When I say shalom to you, when I greet you, I'm saying that may your relationships be well. May your finances be well. May your body be well. May your mind and spirit be well as well. So when we talk about shalom, shalom is greater than just being at peace it's living in peace so today I want to explain to you what this term shalom is all about stand to your feet as we turn to the book of judges I want to say uh, as you're standing thank you for those of you that uh, sent messages cards and gifts and uh, just overwhelmed with the the love that you showed to me on my birthday last week and uh, thank you so much I appreciate the love that you showed. And then on Tuesday, uh, my bride and I celebrate 25 years of marriage. 25 years. She stuck with me for 25 years. We got married when I was two. So. (laughs) Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 24, it reads as follows. And Gideon, everyone say Gideon. He built an altar there and he named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abizar to this day. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And he named the place Jehovah or Yahweh Shalom. I want to explain to you this morning this word Shalom and That when you find a new name of God being introduced in the word of God, it's usually as a result of a crisis that someone is going through. Uh, The same way my my wife knows me, not just as 
as Dan Vera. Uh, she knows me not just, she doesn't know me as Pastor Dan, as many of the relationships that you and I have, that I'm your pastor, you know me as a pastor. That relationship reveals a part of my character to you. My wife knows me as, as her husband, as her lover, as her friend. And so the level of relationship you have to people opens up different levels of revelation of who they are as well. And so it's likewise when you talk about God. The closer you get to God, the more you get to know God, different facets of God's character are opened up to him. And the, throughout the Old Testament, there are various facets of God's character that are opened up to his people. And how does he show his character? It's through the problems and the crisis that we face in life. And so I need you to understand that the problems that you face in life are not problems, they're opportunities. Say it again, Pastor. Your problems are not problems, they're opportunities. And so for every crisis you face in life, it's an opportunity for God to reveal himself in another avenue in your life. See, you would never know God is healer until you were sick. You'd never know God is provider until you had a need. You'd never know God is your peace until you were going through some struggle. You would never know God as your direction, as your, your, your shepherd until you needed direction. Someone follow what I'm saying this morning. And so it's through the crisis that we go through in life that God reveals his character to us. And one of those names is this right here, Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom, God, Jehovah being a personal, rela relational God, not a God that's far away, a relational God. And then Shalom means my peace. So he is my God, my relationship, my personal peace. God is my personal peace. Are you following me? And so this morning when God reveals himself as his peace, I want to explain this to you in a deeper way because I was kind of shocked when I found out that Shalom showed up in the book of Judges. I always thought that Shalom showed up in a different passage of Scripture. That God revealed himself as peace in a different area of Scripture. Let me explain that to you. Take a look here in Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Let's kind of lay the story out of what's going on here, amen? Let's lay the story out. You with me this morning? Some of y'all seem a little tired this morning, amen? So... Uh, stand with me uh, as we, I, I want you to stand as we read Judges chapter 6 verse 1. Pastor, we already stood, I know. For some of y'all, this is the only exercise you're going to get this week. All right? All right, so stretch out if you have to. If this is all the exercise you're going to get, use it right now. Judges chapter 6 verse 1, it says this. Then the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. Uh, read it out loud with me once again. And the Israelites... How many years? So what was it that they did? Evil. It's because of what they did that led to their bondage. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, I think he's speaking to you. You may be seated. Stay with me, stay with me, all right? I don't want to lose you, okay? Now, follow me on this. 
Israel had did evil in the sight of God. Now, I want you to look at the pattern that's going on here. Through the book of Judges, as you read the book of Judges, there's this huge cycle that's going on in their lives. And many of us operate our lives on this same cycle. Take a look at this. They have a time of peace. After the time of peace, they forget God. How many of you know that when, when things are going good, all of a sudden God's blessing you, you got money in the bank, marriage is going good, kids are doing well, uh, family's doing well, you're, you know, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you know, it, it, things are just great. Everything is happy in your land. Then all of a sudden you forget God. When things go good, many people forget God. And then after they forget God, they end up getting involved in evil. Now, now you're saying, well, Pastor, I'm not an evil person. Now, see, whatever you do contrary to the word of God becomes evil. It's sin. It's missing the mark. You are aiming for one thing and you hit something else. And so they end up doing evil. And so as a result, God says, you know what? Listen, for the wages of sin is death. It's not God is punishing him. God is restoring. How many parents punish your kids? When they step out of line. Why do you do that? Because you hate them, right? Because you love seeing them cry, right? That's why we punish our kids, right? It's because we want to put them through the ringer because we went through it as well as kids, right? We want them to hurt like we did. Why do we punish our kids? Because we love them. We're trying to get them back in line. We don't want them to head off in the wrong direction. And so we punish them. We, we correct them because we love them. And so God punishes Israel. After he punishes them, they find themselves back in bondage again. And it's in bondage that they realize, man, this really sucks. It was better when we served God. And so they repent. God hears them. And he restores them all over again. And then things are good again. Then they forget God. Then they do evil. And then God punishes them. And then they end up in bondage. Then they realize bondage sucks and they cry out to God. And then after they cry out to God, God hears them and forgives them. He restores them. And then they, everything's great. Everything's happy. Then we Forget God. You would think after a while that you would get the idea that this cycle is getting old. It's getting ridiculous. But how many of us live our lives in the same manner? Same year. I mean, different years. Same story. It's like I shared last week. Some of you you say you've been married for 40 years. No, you haven't. You've had one experience 40 times. I've been serving God for 30 years. No, you haven't. You've had one experience 30 times over. You haven't changed. You haven't grown. You're still fighting about the same things you did when you first got married. That's not growth. That's not years. That's putting time in. Oh, that's a whole other sermon. Let's, let's, let's keep going, okay? So in the middle of bondage, they find themselves, now follow me on this, they find themselves living in caves, they're living up in the mountains, they're no longer living in their houses because they're afraid that the Midianites, they're going to come in and steal everything that they've worked so hard for. How many of you have more week than you have money? You get paid on Monday and you're broke by Monday afternoon. 
It's like I know I put money in there. What happened? The children of Israel, every time they grew something, their agriculture, their job, everything that was agriculture, everything they grew, every time their economy came to the point where they were going to get paid, the enemy would come in and take everything they worked so hard to build. And so now they're living in caves. Now, caves were supposed to be for uh, going to the bathroom. That's where people went and used the restroom. It was a place where wild animals lived. And it was a place also where the thieves hung out and dead bodies were thrown. Whenever we're disobedient to God, we end up living in places God never intended us to live. You were never intended to live in depression. You were never intended to live broke. You were never intended to live in in, in constant bondage. You were never intended to live in addiction. You were never intended to live in strife. And yet we find ourselves living in places that we were never intended to because of the fact that we've been disobedient to God. Follow me on this. I'm taking you somewhere. Look look what happens. Verse verse 7 of chapter 6. When they cried out, talking about the children of Israel, to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet. Do you notice that? They're crying out because they're in bondage to another nation. And instead of God sending an army, he sends a prophet. I don't need a prophet right now. I don't need a Bible. I don't need someone preaching to me. I need someone coming in with the AK to bust some caps and set me free. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? That when you're in the middle of bondage, you need someone to set you free. They're crying out because they're in bondage. And instead of getting a liberator, they end up with a prophet. You got me. Thank you, three of you. You come to church expecting the word, you get this dude standing up there with a leather jacket and no motorcycle. It was a gift, okay? It was a gift. This morning, I was just blessed with this, so. Pastor Matt, where are the chaps? <laughs> Those are for the 25th wedding anniversary. Show you right. So (laughs) let's get back to the word. So when they cried out to the Lord and the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites and listen to what the prophet says. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. God's reminding them of some stuff. I rescued you from the Egyptians and all who oppressed you. I drove out the enemies and gave you their land. Man, I'm telling you, you had enemies, I set you free. You were broke, I gave you land. You, you found you had nowhere to go, I took care of everything for you. I, the Lord, took care of all these things for you. Then he said this, he says in verse 10, I told you I am the Lord your God, and you must not worship the gods of the Amorites. In other words, I'm God. All only thing I ask for you to stay blessed is keep me number one. Just keep me number one. Don't let your car come in front of me. Don't let your relationships come before before me. Don't let your football team become in front of me. Just make me number one. And if you make me number one, I, I, I got you, baby. I'll take care of you. I'll make sure everything's all right. But look what he says here. But you have 
have not listened to me. Why are they in that situation? They didn't listen. Whenever we are living an existence that's contrary to the word of God, it's usually because, not that the word doesn't work, but we didn't listen to the word. And we didn't work the word. That was a great point. Say it again, pastor. See, Famine in the nat- our natural realm, when we don't have enough, is usually because there's been a famine of obedience. When we are lacking in the physical realm, it's usually because we've lacked in responding to the spirit- supernatural or the spirit realm. When we obey God, then God sends blessings. But when we struggle, it's because we've been disobedient somewhere. Now, now follow me on this. So th- th- we're introduced to a character here. I'm almost done. I'm- stay with me, okay? that we, we, we're introduced to this character here by the name of Gideon. And Gideon, the Bible says, is threshing wheat. And what threshing wheat would do when you would take your harvest in of the wheat, you would go out to an open area and you would break the wheat up and then you would throw it up in the air and the wind would come and all the, the chaff, the, 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 the different stock and the things that weren't valuable, the wind would take and blow away then all you were left with was the heavy grain that would come down. And then with that, you would make your bread. It was the livelihood, the staple of their diet, of their, fa- of their families. And so he's sitting here, not doing it outside in the open. He's doing it inside a wine press. Because of two reasons. Number one is harvest is so small that he's able to thresh it in a small place. He doesn't have much. And so he's not out doing it. Secondly, he's doing it undercover because he's concerned someone's going to come and take what he has. You know, you know when you get, you know how family members know when you get paid. <laughs> all of a sudden, you you get blessed or something happens, and all they just show up and hey hey uh yeah, can I borrow can I, I borrow me fifty bucks? To, huh? I need to put some gas in or something. They say borrow, but they really mean give because you know you ain't getting it back. Gideon is sitting there and he's threshing wheat. And as he's threshing wheat, out of the corner of his eye, he sees a man under a tree. Now he's protecting what he just grew. And so he's keeping an eye on this dude that showed up under the tree. And as he's looking over there, he's threshing wheat. Then all of a sudden, this dude's up on him. That guy's gone from sitting under a tree to right up on him. And Gideon's like, that's it. This guy's going to come and take everything I've worked so hard. And the words that come out of his mouth are not what Gideon expected. Look in verse 12. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. That's not what he expected. He's sitting in a wine, he's sitting, not in a wine cooler, he's sitting in a wine press. I didn't say a wine cooler. He's sitting in a wine press, threshing wheat. The angel of the Lord shows up and says, mighty warrior, you're a mighty hero. And I want you to understand, come on, that's all right, you can clap. Never allow your condition to determine your identity. 
What happens in this situation, I want you to know that Gideon's name means mighty warrior. Say it again, Pastor Dan. His name means mighty warrior. Many theologians take this and say that God was speaking a new identity to Gideon or calling out something out of him. That was his name. He knew it every time his mom called his name. She said, mighty warrior. But somewhere along the way, because of the bondage and the struggle, he forgot what his name meant. Oh, somebody got to hear me this morning. God will always identify the real you. God will always call out the real you. God always sees beyond your current situation and calls out the purpose that he had when he called you. I'm so grateful that God doesn't see me as I am, but he sees me as he created me to be. You know, God doesn't see the broke you, the whining you, the depressed you, the woe is me, you. God sees the you that he intended when he created you, the completed you, the strong you, the warrior you. And when he calls out to Gideon, mighty warrior, something clicks inside of Gideon's spirit. But Gideon, in the midst of everything he goes through, look at verse 13. He says this, Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, then why are all these things happening to us? Where are all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Have you ever noticed whenever God shows up and someone says that God is with you, especially a preacher, that in your own mind you're debating with me right now? Sure, God's with me. Then why am I broke? God's with me. Why do I hate my husband? Why do I hate my wife? Oh, come on. God is with me. Why am I struggling so much at work? Why do I have a hard time even getting out of bed? If God is with me, where is the evidence that God is here? Because I haven't seen God around here. I think God left a long time ago. I feel like God abandoned me. I feel like God's nowhere to be found. And Gideon's feeling the same way. And he's saying, if God is with us, then why are all these things going on in my life? We've all been there. We've all had those questions, and he's asking, if God is here, then why are these things taking place? Look at verse 17. God tells him, and I, I'm not taking time to go over every step, but look at verse 17. He says, Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove to me that, you're really, that the Lord really is speaking to me. Do not go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. Now, notice what happens here. He's beginning to realize that this is an angel of the Lord. And he tells the angel, stay right here. If you are real and God is with me, stay right here. He goes, Gideon goes. Now, remember, there's a famine in the land. There's no food. People, all the food is being taken. Every time they have something, it's taken. Gideon goes and he comes back and he prepares a young goat broth and he makes some cake or some bread to offer and he comes over to the angel he puts the animal there he takes the broth puts it there and the bread i want you to grab a hold of this you got to see this that in the middle of famine gideon does the unthinkable and the unimaginable he gives an offering did you catch that it doesn't make sense 
There's no food in this place. And you're going to take a goat. That goat could be used to feed people. That bread could be used to minister to people. That broth could be used to take care of the, the, the sick and the homeless. And he takes this thing and he offers an extraordinary, extravagant gift. What's wrong with you, Gideon? I need you to know that when you're going through struggles, when you're going through trials, there comes a point that you got to give the extravagant. You got to go above and beyond. You got to get the attention of God. And he steps in and he gives something above and beyond. And he places it there, and the angel of the Lord reaches out with the staff. And the Bible says that fire comes to that offering and it's eaten up immediately. It's gone. Oh, someone, you got to grab a hold of this. I'm speaking to someone this morning. You're wondering, God, where are you? God's saying, go all in. God, where are you? Go all in. God, where are you? Just go all in. Just trust me. Give me something above and beyond your ability. I want you to notice what happens here. Look at verse 22. Gideon realizes that it was the angel of the Lord. Up to this point, he doesn't realize it's not just an angel. It's the angel of the Lord. What am I saying? Whenever an angel in the Old Testament receives worship, it is an Old Testament picture of God in the flesh. That wasn't just an angel. Oh, someone's going to grab a hold of this. It was Jesus before Jesus came in human form. Gideon came face to face with the Son of God. He offered the Son of God his best. And when the angel consumes the offering, Gideon realizes, oh, snap. It's not an angel. I, I just came face to face with God. In the middle of my bondage, in the middle of my struggle, are my oppressors still there? Yeah. Is my nation still in bondage? Yeah. Is the famine still going on? Yeah. But I just came face to face with God. sends a panic throughout his spirit. Gideon realizes no man can see God and live. And he's had a face-to-face encounter with God. In the middle of your bondage, in the middle of your struggle, there's only one thing that can transform your situation. It's not another worship service. It's not another song. It's not another church. It's not another message. It's when you come face to face with God. Gideon says when he realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he says, oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. And you know you're in the presence of God when you're not like, see me? When you're in the presence of God, it's not about you anymore. It's about him. 
And when you're in the presence of God, you realize just how dirty we are compared to Verse 23, look at what God replies to him. It's all right. In the PD version, chill. It's cool, homie. Relax, I got this. I'm the one that instigated this little meeting right here. I'm the one that came to you. You're not the one that, I sought you out. As much as you want the presence of God, God wants your presence as well. God went the distance. He was hiding out when the presence of God showed up. I'm here to tell you that some of you feel like you're just going through the motions, but I'm telling you that if you just keep showing up, God will show up on your behalf. Oh, somebody give God praise this morning. Says, chill, homie, it's all right, I got you. Don't be afraid, you will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord, the scripture we opened up with. And he named it Yahweh Shalom. I want you to capture this. They're in bondage. Another nation is is over them. They're, They're taking everything they have. They're not living free. They're struggling in famine. And God doesn't show up as Jehovah machine gun. Jehovah power. Jehovah army. He doesn't show up as Jehovah sword or Jehovah victory. He doesn't even show up as Jehovah Rambo. That's what we would expect. That if I'm in bondage, I need a liberator. Come on, somebody. That if I'm struggling in the middle of bondage, I need God to show up strong to set me free. But God doesn't show up as a a machine gun or as victory. He shows up as peace. Oh, you got to grab this this morning. In times of bondage and crisis... In lack, we don't need stuff, we need peace. I could lack everything and still have peace. See, because peace is not a thing, peace is a person. You didn't hear me. You've been looking for peace in things. If I just had a boyfriend, if I just had a better husband, if I had a better wife, if I had a better job, if I had a better car, if I had better kids, if I had a better pastor, you ain't going to find it, a better church, you know, if I could just have a better this or a better that, if I could just, if I could just get more stuff, if I could get a 70 inch television that is 4K, if I could have that, if my team could win a game, oh, come on, Raiders, one game, one game, just give me one. That everything would be fine. Everything would be great. But peace is not things. 
Peace is not an object. Peace is a person. God says, I am your peace. Is the bondage still going on? Yeah. Is the famine still happening? Yeah. Is the struggle still real? Yeah. But if I have him, I have peace. And when I have peace, you can't change the environment around you. You cannot affect the environments around you when the storm in you is greater than the storms around you. We have storms that are raging, and that's why. Where, have you ever noticed that where there's people that are volatile, wherever they go, they bring a storm with them? It's like, oh, shoot, here they come. Thanksgiving's coming. You know them family members? Where it's like, oh, it's gonna, you know, everything's great. Everyone's laughing. They're bringing it. They're hugging the yams with can. You know, everyone's hugging. It's great. And then that person shows up. Oh, shoot. Sister Storm just walked in. <laughs> Brother Tornado just came in the door. Remember the story where Jesus is asleep in the boat while the storm's going on? The disciples wake up and they tell Jesus, don't you care that we're dying? Jesus looks literally ticked off when he wakes up. Have you ever been woken out of a deep sleep? I mean, a restful sleep. For something silly? I don't care if you're the son of God or not. You're going to be ticked. The Bible says be angry and sin not. So I, I, think he, I think he was mad. And they wake him up and he comes out and the boat's shaking and everything. And they're, don't you care? We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going down. Don't you care, Jesus? My marriage is going down. My family's going down. God, I need your help. Something's taking place here. God, where are you? And we go through those moments in our lives where we wonder, God, where are you? Jesus gets up and he just looks and says, you have, little, you have little of no faith. He rebuked, he rebuked the wind and the waves. He, he speaks to the storm. He doesn't yell at it. He speaks to it. You got to stop yelling at your storms. Because storms don't respond to your yelling. They respond to your authority. Jesus could calm the storm because the peace in him was greater than the storms around him. When I have him, I have peace. And I can calm any storm that I walk in. And if the storm doesn't calm, baby, I'll walk on water to get through. But I'm here to tell you something. Peace isn't a thing. Peace is a person. Let me close with this. 
Take a look at these scriptures here I want to share with you. Romans chapter 5. I just got a list of scriptures. If you if you have a pen, write this down. If you have your and notice what everyone does now, they just take pictures of it. Don't just take a picture of it, read it. Okay? Don't post it on Facebook, you know, hey, great message. Read the scripture. Okay, apply the scripture. Okay, I appreciate you posting it. I appreciate Instagram. I love Twitter and all the, the those things out there. But you know, it, it's not a matter of just taking a picture of it. It's having it become alive in your life. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith. By what? By faith, we have what? Come on, we have, we have with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. It's not what you did. Peace comes because of what he did. Philippians 4, 7, then you will experience God's. Then you will experience God's. Which exceeds anything that you can understand. Have you ever had a peace and you're like, I don't understand why I got it. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Job, I love Job. Went through so much and look what he says. Submit to God and you will have, then things will go well for you. John 14, 27, I am leaving you with the gift, Jesus is speaking. I am leaving you with the gift of mine, then peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Chill. What are you getting all worked up for? Storms raging around you. Chill. I got this. If I have him, I have peace. Shalom. Calm. Health. Wealth. Peace of mind. Everything is fine with me. Bow your heads. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.